0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Well, what a beautiful day the Lord has made, amen? And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, we can go right into an invitation. If, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we sang enough to, to, to know that He is the King of kings. And uh, He is the Lord of lords this morning. So I pray that if you don't know Him, that today will be the day of salvation for you. It's a beautiful day. Listen We're going to be baptizing here in just a few moments of time. If you have uh, let us know, or even if you haven't let us know, but you've trusted Christ and you want to follow the Lord and believers' baptism, I want to encourage you to do that and taking that step of obedience and being baptized even as our Lord and Savior was. Listen, the men and young men, middle-aged men, senior saints, wherever you fall in line, to my left, to your right, just go right around the corner there and up the steps and things are ready for you. And then ladies, over to my right, to your left, over this way, things are all, all ready for you. And uh, it is good to be in God's house, amen? And uh, it has uh, been a wonderful, wonderful week, a busy week. But if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 this morning. We talked a little bit from John chapter 12 last week. And uh, certainly a lot of things going on. I want to encourage you to continue to be in prayer. Uh, for those who are recovering from surgeries, those who are facing surgeries, those who are at home recuperating, and on and on. But uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful opportunity we have this morning. Last week we began in John chapter twelve, and we talked about this woman, this woman by the name of Mary, who was in Bethany, who actually showed her love and her devotion and her worship to the Lord. And if you don't recall the story, this is where Jesus—he's making his way back to Jerusalem, and he stops and in the town of Bethany, just a couple of miles outside of the city, and, and they have a dinner party. And uh, Matthew and Mark tell us that this dinner party is held at, at Simon, the former leper. He's known as Simon the leper. Hard to lose those, uh, those uh, you know, if you got a reputation, sometimes it's hard to lose the reputation. But anyway, this meal is said to have taken place at Simon the leper's house, and we looked at that story, and I told you last week that this dinner party, so to speak, took place... Literally, the day before, Jesus makes his way into the city of Jerusalem. And as we know, uh, begins uh, uh, the, the, the steps towards the cross, so to speak, the uh, Passover week. But let's look and see what scripture has to say. Look with me in verse number 12 and following this morning. And I, I uh, pray I'll try to move quickly this morning. Amen? John chapter 12. Look at verse number 12. It says, on the next day, the n- day after... "'Much people that were come to the feast, "'when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, "'took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, "'Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord.' "'And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat there on, as it is written, "'Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. "'These things understood not his disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. In verse 17, the Bible says, The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they had heard that he had done this miracle. And notice verse number 19. The Bible says, The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves right? They said, therefore among themselves, they said, perceive ye how you prevail nothing. Watch what they said. They said, behold, the world, the world is gone after him. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, as we come to worship you today, Lord, we come humbling ourselves before your throne of grace and certainly We're thankful that we can come as individuals and as a corporate body before your throne of grace where we might find help and mercy in our time of need. And so, Lord, I pray that today that the scales of unbelief would fall from our eyes. And, Lord, I pray that if there's somebody, as I've already mentioned, in our midst or watching online this morning that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. And certainly, Lord, that's what you tell us in your word. You tell us that now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation, and so, Lord, we pray for that. We pray that your word and your spirit would draw them under yourself where they might find forgiveness of sin. And, Lord, I also pray for those who are here who already have a relationship with you through your son. God, I pray that we will be encouraged, but we will be challenged as we go away from this place to live more for you and less for ourselves. Lord, we thank you for those. We give you the glory for those in advance who will be following the Lord and believers baptism today Lord I pray that you're honored in that as well and so Lord now I pray that you will go before me and that you will use me in a mighty way for your honor and for your glory and Lord will give you the praise for it all for it's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we pray and for his sake amen and amen well again thank you so much for being here uh, this week really this morning we begin to reflect and I don't know about you, but I've already been reflecting. I've already been remembering, but really this is typically the Sunday, uh, you know, Palm Sunday is the time when we begin to reflect back and remember one of the most important weeks of history. In fact, nearly 500 years prior to this moment that we just read about in Scripture, the prophet Zechariah prophesied about this in Zechariah 9 and 9. And uh, some of us were making mention of that in Bible study this morning. And in Zechariah 9.9, 9, the Bible says that the king who was just, says who was just and having salvation, actually came in humility and came riding upon a colt. And so it seems kind of strange. It's like, what are we doing riding on the back of a donkey coming into Jerusalem? But this was prophesied over 500 years before the actual event took place. And if you go forward into the New Testament and get into Luke chapter 9, the Bible says that after predicting his death, The Bible actually gives us a prophetic picture, a prophetic phrase, if you please, in verse number 51 of Luke chapter 9. And it says these words, it says, When the time was come that he should be received up, watch this, Jesus, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And if you go a couple of chapters forward in Luke chapter 13 and verse 22, Jesus' intent is very, very clear because the scripture says that he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. I would encourage you to go back into Luke's gospel because once it says that in verse 22 of chapter 13, you see Jesus begin to teach. He begins to heal. He begins to do a number of things as he's making his way to Jerusalem to become the Savior of the world, amen? By the way, I I would dare say that he was already the Savior of the world the moment he was come into this world as a tiny baby. And so, uh, anyway, he makes his way. I'd encourage you to read that. But the reality is by the time we get to Luke chapter 19, the Bible tells us that the time had come and that Jesus actually went before ascending up to Jerusalem. Now, as many of you know, and some of you probably uh, were watching uh, uh, the Ten Commandments last night, got your dose of Charlton Heston. Uh, I flipped by and I said, there he is. Charlton Heston, still still Moses, right? Uh, still portraying the role of Moses. Uh, but we know from the gospel accounts that we'll read about. It. We read about his last meal with his closest followers, right? You can read about that in John chapter 13 and how Jesus becomes a servant. And we understand that he faces the ramifications of Judas's betrayal and He feels the abandonment of Peter's denial. Remember, Peter says, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, yeah. He said, by the way, by this time tomorrow, you're going to have denied me three times. And so you can read all about that in the gospel accounts. And we read about Jesus' mock trial, his cruel beating, and his crucifixion and death uh, that takes place during this time. However, before all of that played out here in Scripture, Jesus was received into the holy city of Jerusalem by many in what could only be described as an overwhelming, joyous occasion. There's many people who are screaming out, Hosanna, King of Israel, and on and on. But I dare say that in the midst of all of this, there were still some. You know there's always going to be some, by the way. Did you know that? There were still some who were not very happy about what was going on. There's, there's some who are not happy that we're gathering today to worship Jesus. There are some who are probably not happy of what's taking place. But that's been the case all the way through history. And so this morning, I just want us to take a quick look to see for ourselves who might have been in that crowd. Who might have been in the crowd as Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem. And as we do that, as we do that, I wonder if we might be able to see ourselves in some of these groups and maybe learn something from it. Look back at verse number 12 in our main text. The Bible reminds us that much people that were come... Now this is speaking of the Feast of the Passover held over annual uh, there in Jerusalem. And it was even referred to a different context. But the historian Josephus actually estimated that annually over 2 million people would have descended on Jerusalem for the Passover Feast. In fact, at one time there was records that revealed that at one point over 256, watch this, over 256,000 lambs were slain. Now, every lamb that was slain during that time represented 10 people, so I'll let you do the math. In other, actually, I'll let my wife, who's an accountant, do the math. <laughs> Not hard to figure that one out. 256,000 lambs slain, representing 10 people at a lamb. And this went on, and this went on, and this went on until Jesus Or really the Passover lamb makes his way into Jerusalem and people from all over the known world would have flooded into the city during this time. And I don't know about you, but I kind of put myself, you know, I always like to be like the fly on the wall. And and I I don't know, maybe that's how you think I am this morning. Maybe, hey, you are the fly on the wall, could you move aside? But the reality is when I read scripture, I kind of try to put myself in there, right? And I think about, think about the city of Jerusalem, how it swelled. To have all of these people in it. Think about just the logistics. Being a former military guy, being a logistics guy, I think about the logistics. Man, how, how are all these people getting fed? Where are these people staying? How many, how many hostels? How many hotels? How many inns are there? And is there any room at the inn for these people, right? Uh, to coin the phrase. And, and so I think about these things. I think about the parameters of what's going on in the city. And it would have been a carnival-like uh, occasion, But Jesus, as he makes his way to Jerusalem, every gospel account makes it clear that there were some people who were a little bit excited about him coming to the city. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 21, 9, the multitudes cry out and they say, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Mark eleven nine 9 tells us that there were people. Watch this. Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. There's people in front of him and there's people behind him. And, and the Bible says that they said these words. They, they're literally crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Luke 19, 37, I love this one. The Bible says the whole multitude of his disciples, they begin to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works which they had seen, saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And in our text in John 12, 13, again it says, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so this atmosphere is crazy, and yet here comes Jesus from Bethany. It's not a long track. It's a couple of miles. I mean, we're talking about uh, if we started here at the church, and we all, by the way, do you just want to do that just for fun? Let's go out of here and let's walk up to Wegmans. <laughs> just like, you think you think there would be a little bit of a stir? Do you think that we would create some attention on the road? You, you got to think in th- terms of that. There's throngs and throngs of people who are following Jesus. But not everybody's happy. Not everybody's uh, uh, wanting to be a part of this so-called parade. And so as I said a moment ago, let's see who's in this crowd and see if we might be able to see a little bit of ourselves or a little bit of what's going on in our society today. If you're a note taker, I think one of the groups that that really immediately took note of this impromptu parade, if, you, if so to speak, would be the cynical crowd. You ever met some cynical people? Do we have any cynical people here today? Yeah, we got some cynical people, right? And I think the cynical crowd would have taken note immediately of what was going on as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem. And as the crowd is celebrating Jesus, and you say, well, who's the cynical crowd? I believe the cynical crowd in that day would have been the Roman soldiers. Thank you, Dave Jones, for the word cynical today, right? We were talking about this the other day, and I had a different topic. But the cynical crowd, as see, the Roman soldiers were there in Jerusalem to keep the peace. And every year at the Passover, they would have been heightened. Right? They they were heightened their their senses were heightened because every year it seems that there was always a group of zealous Jewish people who always wanted to whip people up into a frenzy over the Roman occupation and and, and uh there of the Jewish people and Israel as a whole. And so I'm guessing the guards, they were on notice and when they see this taking place, they, they immediately, uh, they obviously knew who Jesus was. They had heard about Jesus. So I'm guessing they uh, took notice. And by the way, I would say they, there's no doubt they could hear these people shout, uh, shouting out, Hosanna. Blessed be the king of Israel. Can you imagine the Roman soldiers hearing people call Jesus the king of Israel? They probably would have started laughing. They would have said, uh, what a king. Uh, he's coming in here riding on a donkey. You see, whenever a Roman general was victorious in conquering new territories or battle, he was given what was known as a Roman triumph celebration. When he returned to the city, the general would ride into the city many times on a stallion, many times on a gold-plated uh, uh, chariot being pulled by white stallions, as a symbol of great warrior. And as the general would make his way into the city, trophies of conquest and, and on and on would be displayed for everybody to see, like if, if they had all kind of treasures that they had gained from battle, those things would make it in the parade. So as the, as the conquering hero rode into town, everybody would see the exploits of, of the battle and of the conquering of such lands and such peoples. Some of these soldiers see what's going on. The people are throwing their cloaks down, waving palm branches, and 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 hailing Jesus as King of the Jews. Oh, I'm guessing I'm guessing that they would have been a little cynical, maybe have laughed. And compared to what they were used to, this would have probably seemed almost uh, a a little bit grotesque in nature. It paled in comparison, if you please. But I just put in my notes: Isn't that some? Isn't that how some people see Jesus today? We talk about Jesus making the blind to see, causing the lame to walk and the deaf to hear. We talk about Jesus walking on water and and not only are there people who get their eyes off of Jesus like Peter, but some don't even understand what's going on. We talk about the fact that Jesus fed 5,000 people with two fishes and and five loaves. We talk about how Jesus had the power to calm the seas and the storms. You know, he still has the power to calm storms in our life today. Isn't that amazing? And yet I believe that there are still some people, some cynical people, not just the Roman soldiers then, but cynical people now who laugh at us today, who say, what are they doing? What are they doing worshiping Jesus? Listen, uh, uh, all, all you need to do is follow your own truth. Can I tell you, and I'm not trying to be rude, but our truth will get us into a lot of trouble sometimes. There's a, there's a way that, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. And so we have to be careful of that, right? We have to be understanding that the Word of God, it says it will stand forever and ever. It's not going anywhere. And so if it's contained in this book, you can bet your bottom dollar on it that it's true. And yet there were some cynical people there in that day. I also believe another group that would have been there was the, uh, the come and see crowd. You ever, you ever run into the come and see crowd back in John chapter 11 and, and you say, well, who are you talking about being the come and see crowd? I believe most of the Jewish people who came that day were the come and see crowd. Because if you go back to John chapter 11, remember Jesus in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days and Mary and Martha, they talk about Jesus. They say, hey, listen, had you been here, our brother wouldn't have died. They actually show him that they believe and, and Jesus says, hey, listen, you don't understand. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, you don't understand. You guys are thinking of a physical nature. I'm talking to you about something greater than just physical. I'm talking to you about eternal life. And so we see what takes place in John chapter 11. Last week we saw how the crowd gathers, right? That crowd actually grows. So John chapter 11, he heals Lazarus and the Jews decide, hey, guess what? It's about time we put him to death. And so the Bible says, in like verse 54, I believe, of John chapter 11, after they decide they're going to put Jesus to death, the Bible says that Jesus walked no more openly, but he went out into Ephraim. He went out into the wilderness with his disciples, and so he went away for a little while. But remember, he's coming back, and he has this dinner party, and so the crowd gathers, and and they're there to see the dinner party. But look at verse number 9 of John chapter 12. If you have your Bible, look back, because they see what's going on in John chapter 11, and then they come back for 12, and here's what Scripture says. It actually tells us why they gathered back. It says, watch this. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he, speaking of Jesus, was there. Watch it, though. And they came not. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see who? They're not interested in seeing Jesus. They want to see the miracle. They want to see if Lazarus is actually breathing. It says that they might see Lazarus also, whom he, Jesus, had raised from the dead. In other words, listen, they came to see the show, not the master. We got to be careful of following and going to a place of worship to see some show. I can tell you, my wife will let you know there's no show here. Right? But what happens many times, and we have to be careful of this, we get so caught up in the lights and then in the smoke and in the music and the everything, and that's all good. But if it ain't about Jesus, it's of nothing. And this is, I believe, the come and see crowd. They're like, hey, we, we we want to see what's going on, but they didn't want to see Jesus really. They wanted to see Lazarus. We got to be careful of that. Oh, listen, the crowd wasn't interested in Jesus. They were interested in the social aspects of the occasion. They wanted to join the party, and sadly, that's why some attend worship services all around the world. Many are not really interested in worshiping the King of Kings that we sang about. They're actually interested more interested in joining the party and seeing the show. You know, it's like, it's like when we get to the point where on Sunday morning or Saturday night, we start asking ourselves, I wonder what the praise team is going to sing. I wonder, I wonder. are they going to march that choir out there? That's so old school. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like a wonderful choir. Man, it sings the praises. By the way, do you know that you are part of the choir? If you're in Christ, you're a part of the choir. You say... Brother, I never joined a choir in school and I don't intend on singing now. Don't ask me to be a part of the choir. I got news for you. You're already in the choir. Because guess what? One day there's a song that we're going to sing, a song that has been reserved for the redeemed. So you better start practicing now. <laughs> right? You better start practicing now. Oh, I'm just going to go tomorrow. I want to see my friends. I got something to tell. Such and such. Oh, we got to be careful of letting uh, letting our time of worship be consumed with gossip. <laughs> uh, it, it, my amen corner. <laughs> oh, I wonder. Oh, I wonder. 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 Is the church going to be giving out some special palm Sunday gift? What are we going to have for breakfast, Travis, next week? I see the sign says we're going to have a light breakfast. Now, what does light mean? Does that mean like chicken and waffles light? Or are we going like light, light, light donut bagel? Light on the funds. Light on the funds. All right. (laughs) Light on the funds. Cereal. Cereal. (laughs) You see, the come and see crowd, the come and see crowd makes it all about them rather than about Jesus. You see, they they experience what's happening rather than experiencing the king. Oh, we have to be careful because Solomon tells us in the first part of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, watch what he says. He says these words, he says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. In other words, what he's saying is when we come to worship, we're to come deliberately and thoughtfully in recognition of what we're doing. And in the last part of the verse, watch what he says. He says, And be more ready, more ready to what? He says, be more ready to hear. Can we put that verse back up? Uh, Look at it. He says, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Listen, can I tell you this? We had a beautiful example of someone who was ready to hear last week. We not only referenced the fact that this woman, Mary of Bethany, drops down right into a prone position... And she anoints and all the, when you compare all the gospels, the Bible says that she anointed Jesus' head, but also his feet. And, and, and John's gospel says that she drops down and she actually takes what was known in Scripture as her glory. In fact, 1 Corinthians tells us 11:15, uh, uh, I believe, tells us that uh, a woman's hair was seen as her glory, and she takes her hair and she, in humility, wipes. Jesus' feet in a show of love and devotion and worship. Oh, listen. But I believe the reason that Mary of Bethany did that was you go back to Luke chapter 10. When Jesus arrives at their house for dinner party, number one, you remember Martha's cumbered about with much serving. Where was Mary? She was sitting at Jesus' feet. She wanted to, watch this, she wanted to hear what he had to say. She wanted to take time to hear what he had to say. And Solomon is saying the same thing. He's telling us, listen, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. I put down in my notes this. I put down, worship tends to happen more so when you and I come ready to hear what thus saith the Lord. Oh, we have to be careful not to be the cynical crowd or the come and see crowd. I also believe that in that that group that day. Look at verse number 17 and 18. I believe there was the what can you do for me crowd. Hey, Battlefield Baptist Church, what can you do for me? Hey, Pastor G, what can you do for me? Bishop Travis, what can you do for me? Travis likes to be known as Bishop, just so you know. He prefers Bishop, so we kid him all the time. Look at verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, The people therefore, watch this, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave. The same people who were there watching the show in John chapter 11, watch it, and raised him from the dead, bear record. So these are the people who bear the record of what's taking place. Look at this. For this cause. What cause? For this cause the people also met him and watch what it says, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. These folks came because of the atmosphere that tended to surround Jesus. I don't know about you, can you imagine seeing Jesus call out Lazarus and and Lazarus wrapped, wrapped in, in, in burial clothes this guy, they roll back the stone and he literally comes out. I don't even know how he did it last week. I said maybe he did the, the Lazarus hop. I don't know. Maybe those clothes just gave way. Maybe there was some elasticity to them. I don't know. But the reality is the Bible says he called him and he said, come forth. And that's exactly what Lazarus did. And People talked about it. And then people said, whoa, 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 whoa. If he did that for them, I wonder what he can do for me. Sometimes... I'm afraid, watch this, sometimes I'm afraid we worship Jesus because we want to see what he can do for me. I need him. I need him to heal me. I need him to give me strength. I I need him to give me a better job. I need him to repair a situation in my life. I need him to do this. And you know what? We're, we're We're a bunch of needy people, aren't we? Anybody here needy? Say, I'm needy. Hold on, I didn't see my wife say, you say you're needy? (laughs) All right, all right. All right, all right, you got witnesses, okay. We are some needy people. But you know, the reason we worship Jesus isn't because we need him to do anything. The reason we worship Jesus is because he has already done everything. When he was on the cross, He said, it is finished. And when the king of kings says it is finished, that's exactly what he means. And yet there were people in the crowd, I believe. I wonder how many people worship Jesus only because they want him to perform some type of miracle in their life. In fact, in John chapter 6, I was thinking about this earlier. In John chapter 6, and I don't know why I put a paperclip over here, but that needs to get out of there. Whoops, sorry. John (laughs) chapter 6, paperclips overboard. Watch this. Flip over, if you have your Bible, uh, look over at it in John chapter 6. It's kind of crazy what's going on here. Jesus, he's walked on water. He's walked on the sea, right? And then after this, there's people who are standing on the shores. Jesus walks on the water. They only remember his disciples going out in one boat. But So they're kind of confused how Jesus gets out there when he comes back. But watch, it says, and when they had found him, verse 25, I didn't give this to the guys, I'm just going to read. It says, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? How did you get in the boat? How did you get out there? Watch, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. They came seeking him saying, oh man, if he can do that, if he could do that, what else can he do? What can this magician do for me? And so we have to be careful. And then verse 28, if you look further on, it says, Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And here's what Jesus says. He says, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Talking about me. Then said they therefore unto him, What sign showest us thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? So Jesus is basically, basically saying, Here's the work of God. Actually believe on me. And the people's response is, Hey, uh, the bread wasn't enough. Right? The bread wasn't enough. Uh, all the stuff that we've seen you do wasn't enough. What, what kind of sign can you show us that we'll actually be able to see and believe. Do you know, I think a lot of people are just like that even in 2023. They're like, hey man, what kind of sign, what kind of sign is is Jesus gonna show us so that we can see it, and if I see it, I'll believe it. That's not what faith is, folks. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, right? Oh man, I wonder how many people, watch this, I wonder how many people want the miracles but in our want of the miracles, we end up missing the master. It's like, I need you to do this, Jesus. And if you'll just show me a sign, if you'll do something for me, then I'll be able to see that tangible evidence of who you are, and then I'll believe. Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's what he told Thomas. That's another message, but that's what he told him. Oh, listen, so there's what can you do for me crowd. The angriest group of the day... Any angry people here? Before I tell you who this group was. (laughs) The angriest group of the day was the religious crowd. The religious crowd. I just say we better be careful about becoming the religious crowd. Look at verse number 19 back in John 12. In John 12, verse number 19, here's the religious crowd. Who's the religious crowd? the Pharisees the Pharisees therefore said among themselves so they're talking amongst themselves. this parade is going on all these things are taking place and they said among themselves they said perceive you how you prevail nothing they said behold the world is gone after him but here's the deal guys Jesus already knew what was in their heart right Jesus had met the Pharisees and talked with the Pharisees and tried to teach Pharisees over and over and over in Scripture and over in Matthew chapter 23, here's what Jesus said in verse 27 and 28. He said to the Pharisees, He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Verse 28 Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy. iniquity you know I hear a lot of people say well I don't I don't go to church anymore because there's a a church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites so is Walmart (laughs) and yet I see all you jokers at Walmart (laughs) so is the grocery store but you go there too don't you what are we doing we get so religious we get so high minded that we make decisions that aren't even based on Scripture just basing them on our own theory our own thoughts our own truth and then we we, say hello whoever say hello we base it on our own truths rather than what scripture has to say you know romans chapter 3 and verse number 10 reminds us that there is none righteous no not one Oh, we must guard against religiosity. And one of the ways that we do that, I've said this over and over over the past month or so, is that the way we we protect ourselves becoming the religious crowd, the angry crowd, is to remember what Jesus did for us. Not only when he went into Jerusalem, but when he came out of Jerusalem. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to to we celebrating what he did next Sunday. Isaiah 51-1 tells us to look into the rock from whence we are hewn into the hole of the pit which we are digged. David recognized what the Lord had done for him. He said this in Psalm 40. He said in verse 2, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock, and he established my going, he said. In verse 3, And he has put a new song in my mouth, even the praise unto our God. Listen, If you don't have a new song coming out of your heart and out of your mouth, man, I want to encourage you to get a new song. And the only song you can get that's new is one from Jesus. David understood that. He said, listen, I'm not about being a religious guy. I'm about developing a relationship with my Lord. Paul knew where he stood in the grand scheme of things, declaring in Romans 1, 14... He declared that he was a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. And in Romans seven fourteen, he said, I am carnal, sold under sin. And later in that same chapter, in verse number 24, when speaking about the corruption of sin and this ongoing battle between the flesh and the spirit, here's what Paul said. He laments, actually. He says, O wretched man that I am. When writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he exclaimed, I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But praise the Lord. He gets to verse number 10, and in verse number 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, you are what you are. And Me too. This religious crowd, the Pharisees, Wherever and whenever power could be had or wielded, that's where you'd find the Pharisees. They were all decked out, dressed for the occasion, ready to claim the power, ready to hold on to the power, ready to receive the prestige that came with being religious. And I can tell you this most assuredly, those religious leaders in that time were only interested in themselves and their power. And they would do whatever they could to protect their power. They sought the prestige of position and opposed anyone who threatened their power. But I can tell you, God is not pleased with that kind of leadership. In fact, in Ezekiel 34, listen to this, verse 2 and following. It says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Okay, These, these religious leaders. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds. Woe be unto the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Neither have ye brought again uh, that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. Watch this last phrase. But with force and with cruelty... You have ruled them. You see, because again, the Pharisees were more interested in power and prestige. They pointed people to themselves rather than pointing people to Jesus. Oh, friends, we need to be careful about becoming the religious crowd because, listen, following Christ isn't about becoming religious. It's about the development of a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And then lastly, the last crowd that I see is the sincere crowd. You say, well, I didn't see that. I didn't see that in the text. You're right, because I didn't read the verses. I didn't want to give it away. Look with me back in John chapter 12, and I want you to look at verse 20 and 21. As we see the sincere crowd, and you say, who are the sincere crowd? Those who actually wanted to hear and to see and to hear from Jesus. Watch what it says. And there came certain Greeks i.e. Gentiles, there came certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the, at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired of him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. These were devout Gentiles who had come for the purpose of worshiping the Lord, much like the wise men. You remember when Jesus was born? They saw his star in the east, and they followed the star, and they came to the house where the child was. And when they saw the little child, Jesus, what did it, They bowed down, and they worshiped him. And they gave him gifts of gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And we see that true, uh, the true sincerity of their worship. Similar to that, these Gentiles, who are kind of left out of the crowd, they come to Philip, and they say, we would see Jesus. We've come to worship, but we want to see Jesus. We want to hear from Jesus. Oh, my friends, I pray that's the desire of us here today in this room. And those who are watching online, I pray that that's your desire. You see, when we see and understand that God's love willingly led, willingly led His Son to an old rugged cross in order to die for our sins, when we see and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, when we see, believe, and receive Him as our Lord and Savior, can I tell you, things change. Things change. When Jesus comes in, things change. And you say, well, if things don't change, listen, things, uh, say it pretty clean. When Jesus comes in, things change. Do you overnight become super, super spiritual Christian that you're, you're on top of everything? No, I didn't say that. But things are going to change. You're going to have a new desire. See, the Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so when Jesus comes in, things change. And I put here, that's when we begin to worship Him. When things change, we begin to worship Him. We surrender ourselves to His will. That's when we begin to, I know this isn't a popular word anymore in 2023, but that's when we begin to obey His word instead of our word or our ways. Oh, when He comes in, that's when He ultimately gets the honor and the glory and the praise for what He's done in our lives Today, as we remember why our Lord entered into Jerusalem so many, many years ago, may we as believers shout out with great sincerity what the Bible says in John 12 and verse number 13, Hosanna! Hosanna! Is that where you are today? Or maybe, in this very short message, you've seen yourself in the cynical crowd. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm more of the come and see crowd. There have been times in my life where I felt like I was part of the what can you do for me crowd. Maybe, you know, sometimes we get in places of worship and if we're not careful, we become part of the religious crowd. We go away from this place and if we're not careful, we go into the workplace, we go into our homes, we go into wherever it is. And and what we do is we have our halo on so tight that we think we're doing so many great things, right? Right? that people want nothing to do with us. But when we come in sincerity and truth, when we come and we see Jesus, who he is, and we bow ourselves down and we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say because you have the words of eternal life. You're the only one. You're the only name given among heaven, given in heaven and earth among men, whereby we must be saved. You're the only one. And so where are you today? Where are you in the crowd? Because the reality is, every one of us are somewhere in the crowd. The question is, which group are we in? I encourage you, listen, if you don't know Christ as your savior, here's what the Bible says in Philippians 2. The Bible tells us in verse number nine that God has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and he's given him Jesus a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth. And then it says this in verse number 11, and that every tongue, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I just tell you, Jesus loves you And you may be here, this may be the first time that somebody has really just told you point blank, Jesus loves you. You say, what do you base that on? I base that on the authority of God's word. I base that on proof that God proved that love in that he sent his son to die for us. And so listen, Jesus loved you so much that he entered into the city of Jerusalem. Can you even imagine? The Bible says in Luke's gospel that Jesus, when he looked out over the city, he wept. He not only saw them where they were right then, but he saw a future. He looked ahead in time and he saw what would take place in the city of Jerusalem. And there's so many things that we could go into. But as he looked at the people, because he loved the people, he wept. Because he understood what was in their heart. He understood that they were not going to understand who he was. What he was doing. and He wept for the people because he loved the people. He loves you today. If you've never trusted him, can I tell you the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says that if we will call upon the name of the Lord, he will forgive us will be saved, right? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have never done that, can I encourage you to do that right where you are? As we begin to pray, just call out upon the name of the Lord. Say, Jesus, I get it. The light bulb went off. I get it. You love me. And I want to respond. I'm responding to that love. I'm responding to their word and to the spirit of God that has drawn me unto yourself. And I'm accepting you as Lord and Savior of my life. If that's, your, if that's your need, if that's your desire today, can I tell you that you can simply pray that simple prayer? You say, is it about a prayer? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Listen, the only one who does the saving is God. We don't save ourselves by saying three words. Jesus already did what was necessary to save us. Will you receive him today? Will you trust him today? Oh, I pray that you will. Hey, listen, if you're a believer, you say, man, I've been dealing with this. I I feel like I'm a little bit in the come and see crowd. I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm in the what can you do for me crowd. like, Jesus, I'll serve you if. Jesus, I'll trust you if. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. I become a little hard against the world. I become a little too religious. Whatever your need is, whatever, whatever your desire is, can I tell you the altar is open for you? We can pray right where we are. Whatever your need is, I would be more than honored. I would consider it a privilege to pray with you. Whatever your need is, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we praise you for the fact that Jesus came came in love and he laid down his life for us. Lord, we thank you for that that obedience that 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 acceptance of the mission that you gave him. It was already 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 planned before the foundation of the world. Lord, I thank you for your love and your wisdom and your goodness, and your grace and your mercy. God, I pray right now for those who may not know Christ as their Savior, that they might call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin, and that you might hear their prayer and answer from on high. God will give you the praise for it. God, I pray for your people that we might be strengthened, that we might draw in closer to you and closer to one another. Lord, that you'll give us victory in the days ahead, that we'll live for you, that we'll witness for you. We'll do all these things because of our great love for you. Lord, we love you. We praise you for what you're going to do right now in this song of invitation. And we give you the praise for it. Amen and amen.